Welcome everybody to the Close Encounters of the Nerd Kind podcast. In fact, we're calling this the Minicast. I'm here with my very special guest once again, Richard Roth. Hello. And we are talking all things Ghostbusters, from the films, from the toys, and the ever-popular, I think probably, I don't know, probably my favourite out of the, the mediums, and that's the cartoon. Oh, yes. Yes, it's... and I think uh, the first thing I want to say, uh, which is a very strange point to make, but you know the kind of the tagline for for the cartoon and the film is "Who are you going to call?" But I guess for any kind of new films, obviously there's a there's another film in the pipeline, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they resurrect the cartoon if the film does well, <laughs> but. Surely it's going to be who you're going to order on on the app. <laughs> who you're going to download? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'll be like, it will be like Uber, but for Ghostbusters. It's like, oh no, <laughs> I've got a ghost. I better go on Uber Ghost and uh, <laughs> see who's available uh, to come and uh, contain slash zap it. <laughs> but anyway, we'll, we'll we'll keep it simple and we'll go with um, you know some of the. Most probably well-known but interesting facts about Ghostbusters, starting with the film. Mr. Roth, do you want to kick us off? Mm-hmm. Well, the film, it's a, previously in the mid-70s, filmation later of He-Man and She-Ra fame, uh, had a show called The Ghostbusters. And so that sort of was a bit of an issue with the name Ghostbusters. But obviously they they managed to settle it all for the film because they were originally going to be called Ghost Smashers and Ghost Stoppers because copyright conflicts. But the film kind of went through all okay. But when they went to make the cartoons, um, and this is actually, if I remember correctly, this is actually covered, if you get the Time Life Complete Real Ghostbusters DVD set, not the new one, the old one, that looks like the firehouse. They, uh, they All the producers and everyone talk all about it. But they... Obviously, from the success of the film, because Filmation still had the rights to the TV show, they came out with their version of Ghostbusters, which was based on the 70s one, which um, I'm sure I'm not the only child who remembers watching that in the the 80s and being like, this isn't Ghostbusters, what's this? And so obviously the ones based on the film that we all know and love was called The Real Ghostbusters which is, that was quite, I mean, his little person, I I never knew why. I was always like, why is it called the real Ghostbusters? And then I saw the other one and I was like, is this the other Ghostbusters? And then obviously when I got older, I found out about all that kind of the the joys of copyright law. (laughs) It was so weird though, because as a kid, um, you were like, why is the cartoon? It was more legit than the film. Why, why, what's the difference? Because, and obviously we'll come on to this, 
I, I used to naively think that all the, the same actors who played Ghostbusters in the film voiced them for the cartoon. And, you know, I said, we'll, we'll come on to that in a minute because it mm. clearly wasn't the case. But, yeah, I was like, well, how? why is this real and the film isn't? And I, I, yeah. Yeah, I did. I have to. I did at one point think, "Oh, is this real?" Because well, there actually is an episode where they go to the premiere of the Ghostbusters film in the show. <laughs> so a part of me was kind of like, "Is this the real?" Because this is the real life one, and the movie was the fictional version of them. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but there is. I think I forgot the name of the episode, but there's an episode where they go to like a movie set or something like that, and then at the end of the film, they do go to the premiere of the Ghostbusters film. And because I suppose it's all owned by the same company, they actually show the intro to the film, like them walking up to the, um, uh, going to the library and things like that. Because I think it was Winston who makes a joke. It was like, Ackroyd, Murray and Ramis? That sounds like a law firm. (laughs) Nice. No, I don't remember that episode. No, that's, that's, I I quite love it when uh, you get that weird inner universe building um, I actually saw, there's a terrible show called Melissa and Joey, which if you've ever, I don't know, just switched on the TV at odd times during the day or weekend, and it's obviously played by Sabrina the Teenage Witch, if you grew up with that, at the same time you're probably watching Real Ghostbusters, and they had an episode on the other day, and it was just like, hang on, so, so these the witches in that show came back and told her that her real identity was Sabrina and created this weird Halloween subplot. And I was just like, and obviously had a lot of fun with it. It, it was terrible. It was so bad. <laughs> stuff. But I kind of, I, I like that when, when you get some kind of overlapping, you know, world creation and referencing yeah. previous things. Well, that's Do, how Marvel made their money with world building. Well, that's true. Because I really hated, and I've got to get this out of the way. I didn't this. I didn't hate the all women um, Ghostbusters film. Mm. It was very strange having the the surviving Ghostbusters have non Ghostbuster cameos in it, so they all played something someone else. Yeah, I I, I didn't see it. I remember you telling me that I'd probably enjoy the humor. I I think. I think there the part of, it feels like part of the the protest against it got lost by a minority of people who were were prejudiced against it but my my opposition to it was more why, why does this exist like yeah. we have a ghost we have two ghostbusters films and I actually like I know a lot of people don't like the second one but I still I enjoy the second one and I was like, oh, if they're going to make a third, that's fine. And even if they were going to make it as a sequel, like kind of acknowledge, or even if it was the same universe, like, oh, those were the yeah. Ghostbusters of the past. We're picking up it now. I, I would have been far more susceptible. But it's not like, it was just like, no, we're straight up remaking it. Then it was like, well, no, I don't care if you're remaking it with all women, all men or what. It's like, you don't, even if they brought back the, the original cast, it's like, you don't remake the film. The film is a classic. If you're going to remake something, yeah. remake something like Waterworld that has a great premise, but just wasn't very good. <laughs> I, I totally agree. Um, because it's weird because they have a bust of um, uh, Harold Ramis, who was, or no, yeah, Egon. Egon Spengler bust. I think it's Egon. Is it actually Egon or is it ha- Harold Ramis that's on the bust? <laughs> oh, see, this is, I don't know. Uh, 
But yeah, it, it was so frustrating because, you know, I completely agree. All it needed to be was in the same universe with, even if it was just a completely different, um, you know, a future timeline, but but at least harked back or at least acknowledged the existence of yeah. the Yeah, J- just say, because the original script to the original film was going to have them in the future and there was going to be franchises of Ghostbusters, which is where they were set up in a firehouse. So if they'd have had that, like, oh, the Ghostbusters were so successful, there's now franchises. And they, they could have moved it to LA and been like, we're the LA Ghostbusters. And they just happen to just happen to all be women, and then that wouldn't have been an issue. No one would. I don't think anyone. Well, uh, there's always a minority of people that are going to have a problem, but the, the the minority would have been so small. I think the reception would have been a lot more positive. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think um, you know it wasn't a terrible film. I'm not. I'm not going to go on a big rant about <laughs> why, why why it shouldn't have been created because I you know it didn't didn't offend me. It was fine. But yeah, for all the reasons we've said, it it just should have been part of the existing kind of franchise timeline. But I think wheeling back to the beloved originals, I just have to go down the uh, the Dan Aykroyd path of things, and I don't know if you've you've ever followed his his uh, exploits on social media. And I own his crystal heads or crystal skull vodka. Well, there you go. Mm. He, he's just fantastic. Um, but yeah, to so just to say uh, a, a fun fact was apparently the actual, you know, a lot of what happens in Ghostbusters was inspired by Dan Aykroyd's uh, real life family history, kind of, you know, his dad mm-hmm. was big into the paranormal. Um, and I think... Yeah, well, as, as I said, we all know he's he's a big big on UFOs um, and the science behind the paranormal. I mean, he's 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 either kind of batshit insane or <laughs> genius. I don't know which, but I really do love the fact that he he embraces all things kind of. And I did love his Ghostbusters cameo in 1995's Casper at the beginning. Who you're gonna call? Someone else. yeah i remember that yeah that's classic um but yeah to to hit one more dan Aykroyd fact um he apparently he well kind of co-wrote the film to star himself john belushi and eddie murphy um but there was a lot of rumors saying that you know eddie murphy turned it down and it Mm. took a long time for him to actually turn around and say he never turned it down. He was just working on another project, another presumably another film at the time. And obviously, very sadly, John Belushi died before the film went into yeah. production. So I can't help wondering what sort of film it would be because the thing with Eddie Murphy, I mean, everybody loves Eddie. Eighties Eddie Murphy was just king of the world. But I, I, I quite, I quite like Ernie Hudson's portrayal. I feel like Eddie Murphy would have kind of made it a bit too get a load of these guys almost like I think he would maybe a bit too wisecracking which would have maybe overshadowed some of the others because he's such a such a strong screen presence whereas what what to me I mean I this is something I could go on about all day I think the Ghostbusters are like the ultimate team dynamic and what I love about Winston is that he is the 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 center he's like the ground of the Ghostbusters he's the down to earth every man who's kind of at one point can turn around and be like guys come on 
Like he he's he's the one in one of the episodes of the cartoon. He's like, we don't have the brains God gave a doorknob. Like I, I that's what I loved about Winston, yeah. and I loved about that. Like because when I was a little boy, Winston watching the cartoon, Winston was my favorite because he was the one who managed to beat the Sandman and things like that. And like I always liked how he was kind of the. Like he was the one that you'd want living next door to you. You wouldn't want Ray living next door to you. Like you'd want Winston living next door. Completely. Yeah, no, I agree. I think Eddie Murphy would have probably overshadowed Bill Murray. Mm. But there's a lot of rumours. I don't know if these these are true, but I don't think Bill Murray took it, took his role, took the acting, took the whole thing very seriously. So uh, apparently his kind of slightly wise-ass demeanour the way he kind of portrayed Venkman was was pretty much because he could be bothered, <laughs> which is is brilliant because you know as you said the dynamic is so perfect yeah and it's almost like he 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 dialed it in but in such a way that it just made the perfect character yeah it it, it is and it's like like his his kind of like witty ladies man laissez-faire attitude then clashes with like kind of childish hyperactive ray and then like this like cold logical egon and then like i was saying like the down to earth every man of winston and then you've got like sassy janine just in the background like <laughs> making with the wisecracks and slimer for the kids which we were but yeah it's just perfect team perfect team <laughs> and and rick moranis oh Hi. Yeah, like I still think one of my favorite lines in the movie, full stop, is when he goes and talks to the horse. And then the the guy on the horse is like, hey, he pulls the wagon. I make the deals. And then he turns around to the horse. He's like, don't worry. Like all our prisoners will soon be free. (laughs) Like, I just love how seriously that's one of my favorite things is when something absurd is taken with a really straight face, like really seriously. And Rick Moranis is just the king of that, like that and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and all that sort of stuff. Like he was the king of that. And he even if cool. you saw the film, it wasn't a very good film, but even if you saw Streets of Fire, he, he was playing against type in that or against his later type, but he was one of the bright sparks of that film. But I wouldn't recommend that. watching it. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he, he kind of, he's the, the only one out of that cast who pretty much after the second or third honey i shrunk the kids movie he disappeared and yeah i think he was raising his he kind of retired because i think unfortunately his wife passed away so i think he wanted to spend time with his family so i mean good luck to him he's like no i've I've made my bit like people love him so it's like he's he doesn't really have anything left to prove he obviously had more than enough money to live comfortably and he wanted to spend time with his family so yeah good luck to him but apparently he's Considering, well, this was a rumor. I think it was maybe last year, end of last year, that he was considering acting again and coming back. So, but I don't know. It it hasn't. It's all gone quiet on that front. So um, I would have thought that with the well, maybe with the new film in the pipeline, that there could be something in that. But yeah, that would be really cool. But yeah, I think you know, um, it's so it's so sad you know, Harold Ramis dying before mm. the, the third film that they clearly him and Dan Aykroyd intended to make never got made. Um, but yeah, I, I heard there's, there's a lot of articles out there about his, his friendship between Bill, between him and Bill Murray and how it kind of went down the pan. Yeah. 
It's a shame because there were so many just great films that were like Stripes and like all these. It's like those guys were like, I mean, I love so many of the movies they made together. Well, they did Caddyshack, um, Meatballs. (laughs) But yeah, they didn't, they didn't, um, what was it? They. Oh, yeah, it was Groundhog Day. Apparently, they fell out on the set of Groundhog Day. Favourite movie of all time. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> but um, they didn't speak for 20 years. And then, well, it's been reported that just before uh, Ramis died, Murray showed up unannounced at 7 a.m. with a box of donuts <laughs> and police escort. And, yeah, they just sort of... You know, well, I w- w- wouldn't have been a two-way conversation because apparently Ramis could barely speak at that um, point. But yeah, they just sort of hugged it out. I well, think. I remember, I think it was the Academy Awards or the Golden Globes that year. Bill Murray was presenting. And then after he'd announced all the nominees, he says, oh, and Harold Ramis for... And then he like listed off all the movies, which you could tell was completely... Uns- like he wasn't supposed to do an unscripted, but he's Bill Murray, so we can get away with it. Yeah. And everyone in the audience cheered. And you could tell that Bill was like a little choked up as well. So that was, I mean, it was heartbreaking, but it's also heartwarming to see that, you know, they, they did reconcile in the end. No, totally. And coming on to the subject of the cartoon, um, do, do you know why Arsenio Hall ended up playing uh, Ernie Hudson's role? Well, yeah, I think, I think they actually, again, talked about this on the DVD, was... Um, Arsenio Hall was saying that he was in the waiting room ready to audition and he saw Ernie Hudson come in and he said to whoever he was next to, Frank Welker probably, and he was like, oh my, that's, that's, that's the guy. That's the real Winston Zedmore from the movie. How am I supposed to compete against him? But yeah, obviously the editor or the director preferred our future talk show host, King Arsenio Hall. So um, or what was his character's name in... Um, uh, coming to America because uh, this is a bit of a tangent, but to me, he he makes coming to America for me. He I love his character oh, so much, and he's got that million megawatt smile. It's just yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's awesome. Um, yeah, apparently, apparently the the director didn't know that it, <laughs> that it was Hudson auditioning. Didn't really read up on the subject material all that well, <laughs> and um, it sounds like well, I guess. You know the the TV channel or network ABC kind of did seem to screw around with a lot of stuff, but um, yeah, they they got um they got the animators to change Janine's glasses. Yeah, and I think it's after season two. Like early Janine had the triangle glasses, which yeah, that that which was when she had the bigger 80s style hair and then they changed her hairstyle and they gave her the round glasses i think i can't remember if it was when it became slimer and the real ghostbusters or not but basically i think they did that also partially with the hair was because they knew annie pot they wanted to have annie Potts look like that in ghostbusters 2 and so yeah i mean no one likes executive meddling i mean we're, I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this podcast, something you've watched has been meddled with by the studio or the executives. And nine times out of ten, it's, you, it never comes out better. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to the Ghostbusters. My glasses are dangerous. Yeah. it's. I, I mean, I don't quite know how daft they think children are that 
square one square glasses are dangerous, but there we go. Well, apparently they also um, Morris Lamarche was told when he was um, voicing uh, Egon's part was told not to sound like Harold Ramis, uh, but ended up doing it anyway. Uh, and still got the part because I think in the moment he didn't know what else to do. And he's so good. I mean, he's another one of the legends of the industry as well. So, I mean, he's one of those guys where you kind of let him do, he knows better than you kind of thing. It's like you let him do what he feels is best. He's, he is the brain on Pinky and the Brain, if you know. <laughs> ah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Absolute legend. Um, and the other bit of um, meddling was actually done by Bill Murray, who, who, who genuinely didn't intend this to happen, but um, commented uh, that, oh, what was his name? Um, Lorenzo Music. God, what a name. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he commented that Lorenzo Music, who was voicing... Um, Garfield, as well as Peter yeah, Venkman. <laughs> as well as Peter Venkman. Didn't sound anything like Peter Venkman or Bill Murray in Ghostbusters. So then they they got rid of him and Full House star Dave Coulier took over. But mm. it struck me that didn't Bill Murray then play Garfield? Yes. Ah, Now, I heard a bit of trivia. I don't know where I read this. Probably on a forum somewhere. But... Um, he saw that the director's last name was Cohen and he thought it was a Cohen Brothers movie. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, I mean, that I think that's even if that's not true, that's just a great little story. But no, I, I feel like it's interesting because um, we got uh, Real Ghostbusters debuted in America in 1986, but we didn't get it here in England until I think about the 11th of January 1988. So we were a bit behind. So I had seen it originally in America when it debuted in the first few years and then in England again it was on um it was ah now here's here's some real trivia fact fans it was originally on children's ITV in the afternoon when Mark Granger was hosting children's ITV uh Mm -hmm. if you remember the time period this is when Nightmare was on it was on I think it was on just before Nightmare and um so we were a few years behind and then in 91 I went to the States and I was like, oh, okay, let's find out when Ghostbusters is on. And I watched it. And by this point, it was Slimer and the real Ghostbusters, which is what they named the latter seasons. And I just remember watching it and being like, this, even as a child at that age, I mean, I was like, this, something's up. Something, some, there's a significant difference. And at this point, like they had, the voices had changed. And the even the animation style had changed as well. Like it was less... Because so many, as a lot of you guys probably know, it's like so many of the cartoons in the 80s, like Ghostbusters and Spectre Gadget, if you look at the credits, it's all Japanese. They're all made by the Japan. Like, so they had a very, not a very anime style, but there was still like certain kind of characteristics that you see, like the movement and things like that was much more Japanese as opposed to an American style. And whereas the latter day ones, it didn't have that style so much. And I, I could tell, and yeah, I just remember feeling like a little bit let down and like with the changes to Janine and like the, the feel of the show, it suddenly got a lot more lighthearted. Like you had so many of the earlier episodes are actually quite, 
No, I don't want to say dark because like then you think oh grim dark like Warhammer or something. But like certain episodes like the one with the boogeyman, um, the thing in Mrs. Favisham's attic, uh, the Sandman. Uh, I remember Slimer come home, which is where um, Slimer screws up one too many times and Peter basically bullies him and Slimer leaves. And like some of it, like especially for a child like my oh, I age, I was like they were pretty, they were pretty heavy episodes. And like I even remember because I was when I. I obviously when I got the DVD again and I rewatched like the thing in Mrs. Favisham's attic, like I don't want to spoil the ending and stuff, but the, the character arc of Peter in that episode, like these are good. Like the, I mean, I don't get like, transformers. I love transformers. I, I feel terrible saying it, but generation one cartoon hasn't held up that well. If you watch <laughs> it on its own, whereas the original syndicated episodes of ghostbusters have held up. Like they're still good. One of my friends, um, he's show, like I don't know how he's got them, but he's like he's shown them to his children. They're like six and seven or five and four. I don't know how they are, but he's showing it to them and they're loving him because like they still hold up. Like Ghostbusters is so well written. I mean, it's um, I want you to pronounce his name because I'm going to completely screw up his name. But um, J. Michael uh, Straczynski. Straczynski, yeah, of Babylon Five and um, comic book fame. Uh, he was the story editor in the first, in the syndicated, original syndicated episode, which, which is why it was so good, because he was so strict on it. And he was saying, again, in the some of the behind the scenes on the DVD, he was saying that in one of the episodes, Ragnarok and Roll, I think it was, um, they had the Necron, I think that's the one where they had the Necronomicon. And um, if it wasn't that, it was another one of the episodes. And uh, apparently the studio executives doing what they do were like, you can't, you can't do that. That's like a cult satanic. And he's like, it's made up. He's like, wasn't it written by um, Edgar Allan Poe or, or one of these? Yeah, sort of yeah. And he was like, it's made it's up. Really it's not It's not real. It's fake. Yeah. I can, you know. <laughs> so I think eventually they kind of said, all right, well, if, if you can prove that it's fake, it's it's made up, then you can go with it. But like, I love that, that it's like he, this is what I was saying before about taking, like he took his job of writing this. He's like, no, I don't care if I'm writing for children. I'm going to write a damn good script. Like, it doesn't matter yeah. who I'm catering to. And, you know, if you if on the off chance you're listening, sir, you did a fantastic job and it worked, like, brilliantly. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, um, J. Mark Wustazinski, if I've got, got his name right as well, <laughs> if you look on credits to so many of the best TV shows around, he, he's a producer or writer. He, he has had his hand, not just Babylon 5, he's, he's been involved. I'm sure he's involved in Lost and Friends mm. and things like that. He's, yeah, he's, the guy's a genius. As well as I'm pretty sure uh, he's got credits for various films. But yeah, he's really cool. He knows his um, stuff. He does. I was always really confused by why, why it became Slimer and the real Ghostbusters. I was like, because I, I think at the same time it changed to that. There was a Burger King, hap, not Happy Meal, but a <laughs> Burger King meal as well. Okay. Um, I remember getting that, um, but yeah, I was, I was confused. But apparently, the ghost, you know, Slimer was so popular that they decided that he should be front and center to the franchise. Which... Yeah, it's it. I mean, it's one of those. He's he was fun. It's like I've got the toy and all that stuff. But if you focus on him too much, it's. Well, it, it like I say, it, you can tell even as even as like a seven, eight year old watching the the earlier episodes and the latter day episodes, I was like, "There's a difference, and it's not a positive difference." Well, I think also because if you remember, well, of course you remember, you, you know, <laughs> He Man and Thundercat mm. and 
and Shira, they always had the the kind of comic relief character, you know, like Orko or Snarf, or even Scrappy Doo. Yeah, exactly. Oh God. <laughs> But but Slimer was supposed to be that kind of blow off character, that that relief, that comic relief that was sort of put in there to make it a bit more fun for kids. Yep. But for some reason they they took it too far, and they were like, oh no no we because because they want to probably sell more toys. Probably and they, an exo high C exo cooler in the states. <laughs> oh. But there was also around that time um, of of watching the the new episodes. I remember there was an ad on I think it was AB, it was on ABC or NBC or, or whoever was showing it Saturday mornings, and it was like this was my, I think this might have actually been my first ex- exposure to it. Was it said what do kids love? And all of a sudden there's a whole load of these children just going Slimer, and I was like, yeah yeah we we love Slimer, and also that's when it kind of led into the this oh Slimer and the real Ghostbusters, and I was like he's not the leader of the Ghostbusters. Like, and here's a funny little, I always thought Egon was the leader because he was the smart one and like led yep. them. But then it wasn't until the re-release of the toys that I looked on the back and I was like, Peter's the leader. Peter's not the leader. He doesn't lead anything. No. I always thought of him as like third in command or something. <laughs> no, Egon is definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can't remember, but in the film, it always kind of felt like it was, it was more him and Ray that began yeah. things. Yeah. There were people who sort of led. But, but yeah, coming back to more fun factoids, <laughs> um, apparently um, when the real Ghostbusters stopped production in 91, even though it, it ran on, well, that was in the US, it ran on for longer in the UK. Um, it was two years after... Ghostbusters 2 had, had finished its run in the theatres. So in, instead of doing the third movie, which they, they clearly should have done, mm-hmm. uh, Columbia uh, decided to just do more animation um, and did Extreme Ghostbusters, mm. which was supposed to be a continuation of the first animated series but it had a new lead of investigators who were younger and cooler, still had Janine and Slimer. Um, and even though I, I didn't see the finale, I, I think I, I remember watching about two episodes. And yeah, thinking, same here. Oh, yeah. Terrible. Uh, but the original Ghostbusters did make an appearance in the, in the, the two part finale. Okay. But, yeah. I actually have one of the toys I did. <laughs> <laughs> because I kind of uh, I'm I never collected any of the toys when I was a kid. I don't I don't know why, but I think I just probably just missed out. I think you were it. just that sort of two years too old, which is maybe in oh, that kind of age group is all the time in the world. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But I I remember um I remember I, I did know that even though I never got to collect any of it, I always wanted the the firehouse and ecto one mm. so i bought it's not ecto one but i bought the extreme ghost version extreme ghostbusters version <laughs> of ecto one about a few years back and it's pretty cool it, it it's a lot better than the um, the original because it like has electronics and oh, plays cool. noises and sounds and lights but yeah but you you i always remember when when i first met you 
I think I don't know how I don't know how we got on the conversation, but you were very very proud that you you own the um, the Ghostbusters. Oh yes, firehouse. I've got the firehouse, the Ecto One, Ecto Two, all four Ghostbusters. Um, yeah, Slimer, the 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 water squirting ghost that one of them sits on the other one's head, the finger snapping ghost ghosts, the the skeleton one where you like trap uh, the the the. the the action figures inside. I've got three of the four like wacky reaction Ghostbusters. So like you squeeze their legs and like their hair pops off and their eyes pop out for some oh, reason. Yeah. I've yeah, got the proton pack, the trap, and I have that thing where it projects. It looks kind of like a, it looks a bit like a proton gun, but it like projects pictures of the ghosts on the wall. Oh, nice. Yeah. And apparently, um, well, a lot of them had had sli- actual real life where you could buy the slime yes. separately and, and do stuff with it. Yeah, because that had it. Um, because on the firehouse, the, the the roof of the building and the floor of the first floor had grates, uh, like like um, all these little holes in there. And then the second floor was just like a mezzanine. Oh, the, sorry, the, the, the first floor or the second floor for the Americans listening um, is just a mezzanine. And then it's obviously the... The ground floor but if you pour the slime through the top which is what you're supposed to do and then you slime whoever's on the bottom i did it once in the kitchen when i was a little boy and it took so long to clean all the slime up and then for years afterwards i was still finding flaky bits of slime in the grate and i was just like i'm never doing this again and it was just so like so gross <laughs> which i guess is the point but yeah, there was that, that horrible period of, of in the you know kind of late eighties, mid nineties, where everything came with slime. Oh, I remember because yeah. I got a feeling uh, was it maybe I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it was either He Man or Thundercats. One of their play sets also had slime. That was probably um, oh no, that was uh, I think the Evil Horde play set had that from He Man. Oh. And then, um, no, I don't think Mumra. I was thinking for a second Mumra did. But there was also another slime toy for Ghostbusters, which was he had like this, he was a yellow thing and he had this huge giant mouth and it made these like slime bubbles, almost like spit bubbles. Oh, Charming. (laughs) Yeah. But they've actually started to reissue the figures. Yes, I think, think as far as I'm aware, I think it's just Walmart in the States, but a couple of people online have gotten them and said that when they were shipped, I mean, because let's be honest, the people buying them, most of the people buying them are collectors. But no, like the boxes have arrived, like banged up, like the card has been like bent and things like that. And it's like, you can't, no, this is supposed to arrive near mint at minimum. So, (laughs) Well, this is the thing. I think you can buy them, uh, there's, you know, there's various retail retailers like In Demand Toys and Kapow that you could probably get them, and those are sites for collectors, mm-hmm. so they will ship them with with a bit of love and care. Yeah. Whereas if you buy off Amazon, oh god, you, know, or, you never or, know. Or Smith Toys, you know, not that these are bad uh, retailers. I don't mm. want to get sued, but <laughs> you know, you depending on who who picks and packs it, you're yeah, you're taking your life into your own hands when it yeah. comes to if you really care about it which is sad because really they're not meant 
for collectors and <laughs> a new generation of new generation uh, of children to enjoy them. Yeah, but exactly. we won't. We'll hoard them and put them on our shelves. <laughs> yeah. Nerds like us. I actually did did this recently. There was a 40th anniversary or 40 is it 45th anniversary of Star Wars? Uh, it would have been 43 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's forty five. It's forty five. Would be forty five in two years. Oh, it's fortieth right. anniversary of Empire. Must be, must be one of those anyway. Yeah. And, I, and I bought um, a carded Han Solo in carbonite figure, and I bought it off Amazon. It arrived in just basically a very thin padded envelope, and I was <laughs> like, oh, and it, it was okay. I don't think. I don't think they did any damage, but yeah, no, I, I I've had, it's funny because uh, my friends and I often joke, it's like, you almost don't want to like Amazon because they're, they're a big, bad company, but customer service is fantastic. Stuff ships so fast. But like I've bought, um, years ago, I bought um, a Massimino Shiro art book, like one of his older ones before he decided to exclusively do hentai. But, um, and when that arrived, like, like a load of the pages in the back were falling out. And it was like, that's when I realized I didn't buy it from Amazon. Because this was when I, I think around the time they opened up that Amazon marketplace. So I was like, oh, I didn't yeah. buy this from Amazon. This was used from some guy in God knows where. It just <laughs> shipped it to me. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. I probably should have left a bad review, but I didn't really know how all these things work back then. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I think marketplace is definitely a bit trickier. Because I know if you go to TF Source, uh, which is... Serve it like kind of serves the American market. Um, there it, it specifies it's like I think they say, like, do you, do you not care about the box or do you want a 9.8 box and things like that? So it kind of like if therefore if they have like one where the box has been dinged or something like that, you can get it for a little. I think so. Like looking mm-hmm. around, I think maybe or maybe it depends what they've got in stock and things like that, but yeah, makes sense. So I think just a, a little. Uh, you know, a little dalliance in the world of Ghostbusters <laughs> too, because I was just thinking about it the other day, um, and a lot of people, you know, it, critically, it, it didn't hit the heights of the first film. You know, it didn't get the, the reception. But I was, I was remembering, I was just listening to "On Our Own" by Bobby Brown, and <laughs> remembering he had the cameo. What was he? Ghostbusters. He was like a doorman. He was like Ghostbusters. You got one of those proton packs from my kid brother. <laughs> yeah and you just think how insanely popular bobby brown was then and, and he i don't know i don't think he 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 has released any music since then i don't know <laughs> i can't, i but, haven't really followed followed him because i remember um not liking that as much as um ray parker jr's song from the original Oh, I have a, I have a, an interesting but probably rubbish fact. <laughs> you, know, you probably know this already, but um, do you know who was first meant to do the theme tune for Ghostbusters? I don't. I think I knew at one point, but I've forgotten, so I don't <laughs> now. No. <laughs> so apparently, Huey Lewis and the News are supposed really? to do it. Yeah, and that, there's a song called um, "We've Got It." Got a, I think it's got a new drug. Okay. And you listen to it, and it is. There's parts of it which are almost identical to Ghostbusters. Interesting. And, and the theory goes that they they wrote the song. They they you know they they wrote some of the music and shared that with the studio or producers or directors or whoever, 
And whoever didn't, whoever decided to go with um, Ray Parker Jr., then took some of that and used it. Mm. So if if you've got ten minutes, play um, play both the Huey Lewis song "Got I've Got a New Drug," I think that's what it's called, and Ghostbusters alongside each other or one after another, and you'll see how similar they are. Um, I don't know why they fell out with Huey Lewis in the news. And but, I mean, at least Huey Lewis went on to be in, be in and do the soundtrack for Back to the Future. He, totally. he had two songs on the Back to the Future soundtrack. He was the the teacher who told them they were too darn loud. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, all the well that ends well, I suppose. And, yeah, but it, it, it's quite funny because I don't know... I don't know if they they might have even taken um, Ray Parker Jr. to court. Over oh wow! It. I have a feeling there was legal action. I could be wrong. Don't 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 sue me <laughs> or anyone who's listening. But yeah, no, that's my final Ghostbusters uh, fact. No, the the only other thing I can think of is that um, after Children's ITV in the afternoon was showing it. Um, if anyone remembers Saturday morning children's television in England, circa 1990, um, some, they used to alternate summer and winter. BBC and ITV would have uh, different Saturday morning shows. So it was like going live. <clears throat> sorry, it was like going live in the. I think it was the winter on the BBC, and then they'd show. Um, the 815 from Manchester in the summer. And then yeah. it was like in the winter, it was uh, Motormouth on ITV. And then in the summers, it was Ghost Train. And I think in the summer of 1990. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, Ghost Train's thing was that I'm really sure it was Ghost Train's thing was like they were on a ghost train, obviously. And so all the TV, all the shows they were showing were kind of ar- around the theme of ghosts. So they had like Trapdoor and stuff like that and then they took ghostbusters and were showing it saturday mornings and also if you remember how well you remember this um the baddie that show out because interestingly like going live didn't really have a theme it, it was kind of it wasn't in universe it was just philip and um sarah green kind of presenting but ghost train actually had a plot and there was this bad guy called barry mafia and I can't even remember what he looks like. And then there was Nobby the Sheep, who was a yes. sheep puppet with a mohawk. And he had a spray-painted black Amiga 500. That God knows what it did. I can't remember. But, like, this is... I mean, this is going back 30 years. So this is genuinely just, like, drips and drabs. But, yeah, they showed um, Ghostbusters Saturday morning, which, at the time, going live, was showing Ninja Turtles as well. So it was... Yeah, like you'd have Ninja Turtles or Hero Turtles as it was back then. It was like Hero Turtles in the winter and then you'd, summer would come along and it was Ghostbusters on Ghost Train. Oh, those are the days. <laughs> didn't, didn't, um, Ghost Train, before Nobby the Sheep, didn't they have um, Gilbert Snotgobbler? I think that might have been on Get Fresh. Uh, that that was with Gaztop. Yeah. Because they showed cool. stuff like... Uh, the incredibly brilliant and criminal, the fact that this isn't on DVD is like a war crime. Uh, Telebugs. If you remember, oh, yeah. Telebugs was absolutely brilliant. And I read somewhere years ago on some obscure forum somewhere that apparently no one knows who owns the rights. Like, the, So no one can release it on DVD because 
like the rights are like up or someone knows and like they're not releasing it or something there's something going on with the rights and they can't release it and i'm like oh, are you kidding me like there's so many episodes that like i have on tape but i'm missing the ending and it's like i want to know what happens after and like there's i mean some really really nice people have been kind enough to upload a few episodes on youtube which is great but like it's unfortunately they like me didn't have the whole series so it's still like i've been waiting for this on video or dvd for god knows how long and it's never coming it's not even going on streaming <laughs> why well, isn't this on britbox <laughs> i have to say uh, an episode a podcast on ghostbusters i never thought we'd go down a telebugs <laughs> uh, wormhole but uh yeah i think on that unresolved bombshell <laughs> We should probably wrap up. But I've got a challenge for you, Mr. Roth. Okay. Do you think mm-hmm. for, for our next mini cast that you feel up to doing Ren and Stimpy? Oh, I can do Ren and Stimpy. Yes, I'm very familiar. Excellent. Well, there you go, listeners. Um, the next episode of Close Encounters of the Nerd Kind will be Ren and Stimpy. And so. it will there's a chance it can take a dark based on the stories that I've read, it can take this is might take a very dark path as well. So if that's your very thing, dark. tune in. <laughs> Everybody, thanks for listening and thank you, Mr. Roth. Thank you. Thank you.